Hey everybody, it's another episode of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. My name's Alon. And I'm still Ara. You know what I did for a very short period this Saturday, Ara? You had a baby. No, I didn't. Wouldn't that be awesome if I didn't tell you and just talked about it on the show? <laughs> Not uh, yet. I guess. A few more well, weeks. Well, you wouldn't be having the baby anyway. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's but true. But I was trying to think of the most unlikely thing that could happen. Yeah. We definitely have a few more weeks with that, and I think we'll talk about that later in a bit, uh, bit as well. Um, but I didn't – you know, I think I had read something about this and just didn't pay enough attention or realize what it really meant. But I suddenly got an email invitation to the Destiny Alpha, and I have never played a console-based Alpha, and I thought that would be interesting. But it was only available for the weekend. Like you get the message on Friday night or something, and it's like, all right, um, so you can get in the Destiny Alpha. Here's a code for it. And uh, it's only good through the weekend. But yeah, this weird is, is like when they did the alpha for or beta or whatever for that Ace Combat game that was free to play. And since they did such a great job of advertising about it, um, you know, everybody knew right away that it was only available for one particular weekend. Yeah, it, it was a little bit weird because the way they worded it was, you know... <laughs> It seemed like it was referencing the code being good for the weekend, not necessarily the game. Well, that's weird. You know what I mean? So, like, I didn't know if I just had to put the code in right away and how long it would last, but it, oh, it was only for the weekend. Oh, you mean that code. Okay, right. Yeah, like the, the download code right. that gives you the credit to buy the game or whatever. Um, so, anyway, I played it for a couple of hours, and I had no idea what it was. Like, I haven't been watching a ton of videos. Um, I also, I've also not played Borderlands before. Have you played or watched Borderlands be played? I actually have played the first one for about half an hour. So people say it's sort of a mix of that and other first-person shooters. But I've never played Borderlands, so I don't know. Um, but this one, it's like you, you have a level. Your character has levels and can get better, which means, of course, that there's grinding involved. Um, yeah, we've never seen this before. Yeah, well, I haven't in a first-person shooter. I know it exists, apparently, but I haven't ever dealt with it myself because I just don't play a lot of first-person shooters these days. One of one of Borderlands' uh, claims to fame was that they had this like almost infinite variety of weapons because they had a system of how weapons could be defined uh, instead of just like a you know like a discrete menu of weapons that there could be, you know. So they could like the weapons that you could find in the game could vary uh, in subtle statistical ways, and that would consider it to be a different weapon. Does this game do that? Um, not to my knowledge, but this is also an alpha. Yeah. Um, but they they can be upgraded and stuff. Like you get all sorts of additions for your weapons and things. So it's there's definitely a lot of different settings for them. But uh, I mean, yeah, I it was kind of like the um, no, you can upgrade your character a lot. I don't know if you upgrade the weapons much, but there are. There are certainly different levels of weapons. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, what I wanted to say about this is the first thing I did was play through a mission and I joined a friend. um, And then, by the way, lots of load time. It's really frustrating. But uh, I joined a friend and we played through one level, so to speak. And uh, it wasn't that fulfilling. It actually didn't feel that great or interesting. But... I kept with it and we played through cool and I got some sort of level upgrade or experience or something. And then I went and played with another friend, but it was more freeform. Like it wasn't a mission. It was just sort of like hang out and you can search, you could find these little side missions things, which are basically just, okay, walk over here. And then, you know, the, the mission was to scan a room, which just means press a button and let a little robot thing, like look around the room and that's it. Uh, so it's that totally feels like scanning yeah you just like follow you might run into some enemies you shoot them and the thing is the combat was really not very fulfilling it didn't feel good i mean i only used one or two different weapons so maybe it would change if i switched weapons but it just didn't feel nice it's just an alpha but then we get to this thing where we're doing these missions and it just it became incredibly boring because since the combat which is the key of any first person shooter um, since that didn't feel good and I was led to just do more missions that involved shooting a few things or walking over here or there. I mean, you could get on your little hover bike thing, whatever, but it's either going from A to B or shooting some dudes 
neither of which are particularly fulfilling for me. Um, like it got boring pretty fast and I eventually was like, all right, well, I'm going to quit, you know, have a good night talking to my buddy. And, uh, had no urge to go back to it the next day, like not well, even a little bit. Was your buddy as bored as you were? I don't think so. Um, but I also didn't really talk to him too much about, I mean, I do. I was like, I don't think this game is really doing it for me much, but, um, so he didn't necessarily reciprocate, but he didn't seem super enthused about it either. I just tell you that it, it was very surprising to me for the game to not be awesome. Right, because it's from Bungie or the ex-Bungie people. Whatever yeah, isn't it. this like the spiritual successor to Halo? I mean, it's the next game they made, so... Okay, so it's the physical of, successor to Halo. Kind of. Um, but it just, I don't know, it just wasn't fun. And I mean, I haven't seen anybody else say the same thing. They probably enjoyed it, had a good time. I'd love to hear from anybody else who played it, because I guess it was just open to everybody who had PlayStation Plus. That's my best guess. Uh. Um and uh, I don't know. It just did not click with me at all. And that was really surprising. Like you know, if there was at least some part of it that was interesting, then I would understand. But the combat is the most key element and it didn't. Well, it didn't I mean, it. was there anything really distinctive about it? Any kind of like special hook one way or the other that, you know, you were like, yeah, this game is all about this. Um, Which so I haven't seen yet in a game. I'm going to guess that my point of view is similar to the mainstream rather than the hardcore, meaning I've played the Halo games and I've played a few other first person shooters, but I haven't played every single one and I didn't play Borderlands and a lot of people played Borderlands, right? But um, I'm sure there's a lot of people who played Halo and now will play this game because they played Halo. And for those people, they'll be like me where they haven't played an RPG style first person shooter before. And so it will seem like there's this new never been done before hook of like really upgrading your character and having to deal with, you know, upgrading your weapons where you're, you're upgrading, upgrading like your gloves and your armor and your vest and all the different pieces of your character. Right. Um, and you know, if you, I think the more you use a particular thing or be successful with a particular, you know, type of combat or, some other thing that you do, yeah. um, the more experience you get in that area. Yeah, so, that sounds very RPG-like, very Western RPG-like. Yeah, and so for some people that will be considered a hook because upgrading, whatever, it's fun. But like, I really feel like the core component of the game has to be incredibly strong in order for you to want to do the rest of it. And it's not. Not yet. It's just an alpha. Maybe they make changes. Maybe I use the wrong guns. I don't know, but... Did, did it at least um, like, feel I have, like Halo? I have no desire to. Did you feel like you were in a game, Halo? Except to see what other people see in it. Like I don't think I'll be buying it, and that's because I got yeah. free access to the alpha. So did it feel like Halo to you, or did it? No, not at all. Not like totally different game. Like if you weren't told what it was, would you make any connection? No, I wouldn't have. But then again, I mean that's true of any game from one company to the next. If there's not actually a, a connection between the two. Yeah, I, mean, I suppose. Yeah, it's, you know, I don't know. It just didn't do it for me. So I'm curious to hear what other people thought. I'm sure some other people listening have played and uh, I don't know. It was just eh. The whole this, way through it was just eh. You just reminded me actually of another new game that I played very recently. I think that we might, we may have an entire segment dedicated just to talking about playing games for once again. That's amazing. I know. So what So, game? well, I alluded to it briefly but it's Ace Combat, the new free-to-play version on the PS4. No, 3, because I don't have a PS4. Yep. So, right, that was the game where they did this brief um, beta and then, um, you know, didn't tell you about it, so you never knew, and then it was expired by the time you found out about it. But anyway, um, this is really weird because... There's a bunch of reasons. Okay. First off, if you have played an Ace Combat game before, if you're familiar with the series, your heart is immediately crushed because all of the music is recycled from previous games. And that's bad? It's bad because it's to somebody who... Now, the music is very good, okay? I've loved the music in those games by and large. But... The problem is is that you just get this really strong sinking feeling like they were just 
I don't know. They just didn't feel like putting in a budget to hire a composer to put in new tracks. Yeah, for a it, free-to-play game, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they said just reuse the tracks and don't, don't pay for it. It's um, So that's one thing that it just makes you feel like uh, huge shortcuts have been taken. So the other thing that's really bizarre, and I had, I had to read other reviews, <laughs> reviews of a free-to-play game to confirm this, but apparently there's a very, very small number of missions, like... Uh, don't take my word for this number, but like somewhere on the order of like five. And so you can churn through the content of the game pretty quickly, but what ends up happening is you end up just doing the same missions over and over and over again. And whatever the number actually is, which I don't know if it's actually five or not, uh, for certain it is way less than any other product that has been an Ace Combat product. So you're in this really weird state where it's like, well, it's an official game in the series. It's the newest one, but all the music's recycled, so all that's old. And then the content itself is mostly uh, recycled feeling one way or another. Um, Even a lot of the assets and stuff, it just feels like they, let's just say they tried to be as economical as possible in this development process as far as assets went. And it really shows, and it's just, it's kind of, I've never encountered this as a video gamer. It's well, just you remember the free-to-play Tekken game? Yeah, I That do. didn't do anything especially new, did it, except uh, make it free-to-play? You know what, actually, right? It's like the same company, so they probably did the same kind of pattern with it. Yeah, I think that's probably what happened. Probably. Uh, anyway, we're about to go to break, so let's do that. We'll come back and talk about new stuff. All right, be right back, guys. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. And we're back. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. So... We've got a lot, I think, that we can cover about games, but is it something else that I want to get to before we go into more Gameroo stuff? Is that cool? As do I, but please, you first. Okay. So um, now I'm forgetting what I had, like a list of things here. You know, Uh, I I can go and then you can remember while I'm talking. No, no, no. I've got it. I'm going to start here. Um, Someone last week-ish, maybe two weeks ago? No, it was a week ago. Um, asked us how we do the podcast, like uh, software and stuff. Yeah. And I wanted to, to quickly answer his question because it's not too often that we're getting these, these Facebook messages and posts, but you guys are doing a better job, actually. Lately, we have had some action. So that makes me feel good. Um, but to answer your question, uh, really, like what software to use and how do you post it on a lot of different places, um, First of all, podcasting, the whole definition is posting posting in a lot of places from only one spot. So for that, you can just go read up on how to podcast, um, meaning like having an XML file. I do it through like raw notepad, raw text, uh, which is totally not the right way to do it, but I'm old school and never learned better. But there are like WordPress plugins and things like that. Hey, where, for, for the old school, that is the right way. Yeah, well, for some people. Um, but you could get... You know, all sorts of things that basically do it for you where you just fill in a couple boxes and say, here's the description of my podcast and here's, you know, I don't know, the link to the cover art or something. And it makes it really easy. But I do mine just with straight XML and you can just pull ours from the website and uh, and look at it. 
and just copy that if you really want to. But there's all sorts of things online to explain that to you. But actually creating the audio, we use Adobe Audition. Now, we do it differently than other fools who uh, make podcasts. So a lot of people will just Skype in and then record the audio through Skype, and it sounds miserable. Um, That's not good enough for us. No, no. So I have Adobe Audition running, and Ara has Adobe Audition running. And forget that we're talking to each other. We're just each recording our conversation with one another in a, you know, through a mic, specifically Blue Yetis, although I don't know that I would recommend those because they're overly sensitive. Everyone else on the planet says they're great, but like my air conditioning turns on and I have to filter it out every episode. Yeah, we, um, we decided that every, whoever commented doesn't know anything about these things. Yeah, it's it's rough for just a spoken podcast unless you're in like a super quiet room. Anyway, um, yeah, so we use Blue Yetis. We each record simultaneously, and then we wear separate headsets to talk to each other through Skype so we can actually hear what we're saying back and forth. And then because there's a lag, we do something to sync it up. But um, if you're going to make a podcast, the best way to do it is to have people all in the same room using their own mics, multi-channel, recording into the same PC preferably because Mac is a pain in the butt to do multiple mics simultaneously. You have to get an external thing. Um, so anyway, that's really it. So I use Adobe Audition. Then I do a couple of things to you know put stuff in the MP3 file with the description and all that, which there's a million different softwares that can do that. And then just post it up on a server and the XML file points to it. And that's pretty much it. I use FeedBurner, but don't have to use FeedBurner. Um, and I didn't for a very long time. So anyway, that's the simple how we do. If you really care about very, very detailed specifics of the software I use, you can contact me again. Uh, but that was Aaron on, on Facebook asking about that. Now, Wait, at the same I, time... I got, I got something to say about that. My favorite part about how we record is that right now, I'm actually wearing two pairs of headphones at once. Oh, man. So I, got, I do that. I got my own voice in my left ear, and I'm hearing you, Alon, in my right ear. Yeah, and I and wait, and, and because I like overcomplication so much, I'm also skyping on a different computer that I'm recording onto simultaneously. I, yeah, I do that. I've got one computer with the Skype and the headset, another computer with the mic that's like not even online. Yeah, and I'm um, I'm trying to think of a way to involve a third computer, but I haven't thought of it yet. Maybe one just for research. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't wear two headsets just because I don't need to listen to myself because I'm watching the waveform and making sure I don't peek. Um, but yeah, you get, you'll learn a little bit about audio editing if you get into this stuff. Anyway, that's not what the show is about. But it does segue kind of well into this other thing we wanted to talk about regarding production of the show. So we have talked about on this episode and previous ones that I am having a baby soon. I'm also old and don't play games as often as I used to. And I fear that that has made the show less interesting to people because we don't actually talk about us playing games very much. Um, And so we've been discussing whether or not we should continue doing the show weekly. I know that a lot of people are super dedicated listeners. And for the record, we absolutely love you guys. And that's awesome. Um, But since I know that as soon as I have a baby, I am not going to be able to do this uh, as often. We're debating going monthly and we're kind of curious what you think about that? And on, what, honestly, um, we don't hear enough, at least for my satisfaction, from our listeners. So I don't have a good impression of how many of you guys actually care what we're talking about or at least yeah. what I'm talking about. So, I mean, um, there are a lot of people, judging by the stats that we see, there are a lot of people who actually download and listen to the show. But, you know, the number of people who actually communicate with us, obviously, is much, much lower. That's just how the world works. Yeah. And I but, mean, um, you know, that comes with the territory, any territory, of course. You know, not every, I'm not going to, it's not reasonable for me to expect all of you listeners to actually want to engage with me as, as much as that's my desire. Yeah. But, but at the same time, we want to hear from you how much, how much you would you like this frequency to continue? And if, if you care about us, if you enjoy getting it every week, and if you like, if you would like it to continue at this frequency versus a much uh, smaller frequency, which would be like maybe monthly, uh, then please speak up uh, to us one way or another. Yeah, and I'm not blind to the fact that once you do a show monthly, a lot of people are just going to drop off and not listen anymore, um, and I feel bad about that. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of like how in, like McDonald's stops serving um, hot mustard sauce uh, without asking their customers, and um, you know their profits drop by 90% just because of I'm, it. No, I'm sure that's a very accurate case study. Uh, yeah, so 
anyway, my, my life is just about to change a lot. So I don't know if we want to keep doing the show as often. So tell us what you think. Um, if you have an opinion, certainly get onto the Facebooks or the email and, uh, and let us know because otherwise we are probably just going to go to monthly and the show will probably be longer. We won't have to restrict it to just an hour. Um, but, but I don't know if we're going to keep, keep doing it as frequently without you guys in large, uh, swarms telling us not to, not to change. Um, all right. So now I'm happy to go back to standard game stuff. Wait, um, I had, I had one more topic I wanted to bring up that's okay. not quite game related, but it's worth it. Okay. It's, there's one thing I like about this show is that Every once in a while, we do these completely irrelevant things, and I just this is just too good for me to pass up. Okay, Alon. There's I have something that's happening in my bathroom. Okay, I don't know what that means. But I I'll I have just let it I'll let it happen, man. I have decided that my toilet from now on will be dubbed the toilet of Damocles. I don't know what that means. I, you're not familiar with the um, legend of Damocles. If that is some sort of Greek or Roman myth, I just don't remember my yes, my mythology is, from high school. It is um, it's it is a Greek myth or a Roman one. It's one of those two, and the, this myth is about a guy named Damocles who, uh, on his throne, there is a sword suspended above his head which is suspended only by a, a hair. I don't know uh, if it's a human hair or an animal hair, but there's just one strand of hair. So as, as he does his kingly things on his throne, he is constantly threatened by uh, this sword that may drop on him at any time. Now you may ask, Ara, what does your toilet have to do with this? Well, there's this amazing phenomenon that happens in only my house in the entire world, and this is what it is. There's a fan right above my toilet, and this fan is connected right to the. It's a fart fan to the yeah, ceiling. Know. You know, it's connected to outside eventually, right? Yeah. And for some reason or another, there is an astonishing frequency of cockroaches that fall from this fan. Okay. So that sounds pretty horrible, man. I, I leave the toilet seat open because. Especially when it gets hot around the summer, especially when there's like a temperature transition. Every once in a while, I'm finding there's a, there's a roach in the toilet and it came from falling from above. And so every time I go to the toilet, I am threatened by the prospect of a cockroach or some other insect falling on me. So that's really, really fantastic. You know, that adds like a little bit of edge and excitement. Uh, I feel to like you should put a webcam on it. <laughs> so that people can watch have you heard about the tar drop experiment uh i don't no. know if it's called the tar drop but if you had heard about it that would mean something to you so there was some material some sort of tar like material um that a scientist like many 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 years ago um claimed was liquid even though it is clearly a solid when you use it like it breaks it shatters yeah. it's like a rock right but he put it in in a vessel and uh over over the years it did you know sort of show its liquidness by like uh you know falling through the hole at the bottom of the thing that he put it in okay and so it would create a drop a droplet which eventually like he he wanted to see it drop off actually break it takes something like 13 years or many many years for the thing to actually drop off but they didn't have like video surveillance and webcams and stuff when he started doing this nearly 100 years ago or 60 70 years ago um so like there was this whole thing, like people would have webcams on all the time once that became the thing so that they could watch it drop for the first time. And it just dropped sometime in the last year or so. And it was like kind of a big deal. Starting um, from when? 1932? Somewhere in the early 1900s. Wow. And it was the guy who started the experiment never saw it drop uh, before he died. Um so that is, anyway. you know, if you're if you're really dependent on finding out what happens to your experiments as just like life motivation, it's probably not the best choice of uh, science to go do. Yeah. So anyway, I feel like, you know, you could put a webcam on that and people would watch to just see the cockroach drop. Yeah. Well, they'll also see sometimes the cockroach like not fall into the toilet bowl and then creep over around to my bed and into my eye and wake me up. That happened once. Yeah. There's exterminators for that. 
Anyway, we have spent an entire segment not talking about games, so we're going to go to break, and then we're going to come back, and then we're going to talk about games. We'll be right back. For anyone following our Facebook stuff, you might have seen the post I made recently about the new Super Mario glitch that was apparently just discovered. I was just telling Ara about that over the break. It's Taking awesome. Thirty years to go find take a look at it. Yeah, right. It Amazing. was. It's pretty cool. I want somebody to actually test and see if it's just limited to making a vine go up and then dying very quickly. Like the glitch that is shown in the video is very complex, but it can be reduced to something simpler. So somebody go test that and tell me what they find. Um, but we got other stuff. You've got a whole list of things, so yeah. you know, take it away, man. All right. Well, let's talk about this Riot Games thing because I'm not really okay. sure what to make of this. So this is a good thing for more than one person to talk about at the same time. Okay. So <clears throat> you guys know Riot Games. You know they make League of Legends or whatever. Yep. Which is something like the most popular multiplayer like whatever yeah. game. It's, it's on some most popular list. Yeah, it's you know you know what's funny. Um, incidentally, the world feels very small when um, I was uh, I, w- I was visiting a dentist the other day, and this dentist's brother does like uh, some kind of like pump, like industrial pump, like work in Los Angeles area, and one of the principal guys at Riot. He worked on his house because this guy's house is on some kind of massive elevation that requires like all kinds of like resources like water to be like artificially pumped up to it. Okay. So, um, yeah. So that guy went to that guy's house. He works on League of Legends. But that is not the topic we're going to talk about. The topic we're going to talk about is... You know what we should talk about? I'm going to break real quick. Yeah. Uh, while I was talking a minute ago, apparently my Xbox heard me and turned on, even though I did not say Xbox turn on. Awesome. Well, now, if you if it didn't before, now it's even more on. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to shout here. We'll get this on, on, uh, on record. Xbox, turn off. Yes. Do it now. We'll see, we'll see if that... Yeah, it totally worked, even though I didn't have the TV turned on. Sweet. Okay. All right, so my Xbox is turning off. All well, right, so go ahead. That problem solved. Okay. So the story came out today that – and this is apparently not a new thing totally, but this is the first time I've heard of it. Uh, and this is about – well, there's this thing that they're calling a Q-Dodge and I'm not really sure yeah. why they're I'm not sure it. why they use that name either. Yeah, I'm, that doesn't I'm make with sense to me. But – this is what they're doing. They're saying, hey, um, if you're a new hire at Riot, and I, we don't know yet how they define a new hire versus an old hire. I think it's within the first 60 days of employment. Okay. If you're not happy with working there, then they said, hey, you know what? There is a standing offer to quit your job, no questions asked. And we'll actually give you 10% of your salary as long as your salary is – well, the cap is at 25K, which would mean that this accommodates everybody up to people making $250,000. Yeah, that's a big number. So that's pretty big. Uh, and the reasons for it, at least on the face of it, sound very good. They're basically saying that, look, you know – it's important to us to have all our workers culturally aligned, even though that sounds very corporate. That That is a very um, – I think that is an awesome thing to want to uh, cultivate in your company. And a lot of companies, right, like there is a certain culture at companies and a lot of people, you know, you always get – no matter how hard you try to make sure to find people who fit in with your culture, whatever that culture is at your company – 
you always will end up getting people who just don't really align well, right, for lack of a better term. And, you know, that's kind of like a long-term bummer because, you know, for obvious reasons. So they're like, yeah, you know what? If you don't like it there, then you can quit and we're going to give you 10% of your salary, no questions asked, for quitting if, you know, you just don't want to, for any reason, don't feel like working here. Yeah. So like you said, this has been done before. This is something that Zappos started uh, several years ago. Exactly. So they have something that they just call the offer. So if you go there, if you go start working for Zappos, the first thing you do is train for a number of weeks. And it's something like on the sixth day or the eighth day or like basically after your first week of training, um, they give you the offer and it's good for like two days or something. It's (laughs) a very, very short period of time. Um, That's probably done to not give people enough time to find another job. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. It, it's also done really early on and because they're super strong with, with culture, right? You really have to fit in. You've got to be the right kind of person. And the point is that it makes you want – it makes you more invested when you have given up the offer, when you said, no, I'm going to stay with the company. It makes you more invested to stay because you gave up. Like, no, I I didn't take the three grand, so – That's true, you know, right? It's I'm like really you're – it's like you're more meaningfully committing yourself to sticking with it because you have ostensibly made, you know, this decision. They've given you a decision to make more openly than otherwise. Yeah. And and also it weeds out someone who doesn't really want to be there, who's not interested in the long term. Now, that said, when I've like I've been to events where Zappos people talk about this on multiple occasions and there's been a very, very small number of people who've accepted the offer. Like I think it's less than 10. Like it might be two or three. <laughs> it's uh, it's very small. Now as yeah. word well, that, gets out, that maybe makes it's sense changed. But. Because the reality of the situation is no matter how much you fit or don't fit into a culture, you're probably working because you need the money. Yeah. And so if you're dumb enough to think short term is more important than long term, yeah, and go ten, ahead, take it. 10% is not an incentive really. It's yeah. just so, more like – I don't even know, actually. Like, what is Zappos is just a hard number. It it's grown over time. It started off as like five hundred and yeah. was two thousand for a long time. I think it just raised to three thousand. Huh. But it's not a percentage like Riot is. Riot is going to be more money than Zappos, guaranteed. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, and they let you do it in the first two months. Like that's that's a serious. Like I got to jive with my team. I got to see what it's like, and and have a lot of time to think about it. And I think that's a better way of doing it, to be honest. At the same time, it gives you a little bit more freedom for someone to take the job, look for another job, even if they didn't want it very much, and then just cash out. But they have enough money right now that they can play games like that and make sure that they get only really dedicated people. Yeah, it seems to me that at least for the company, uh, it's a total thing to do in their best interest. Because if it's, if I mean, if 10% is going to convince you to leave, then... You're probably hurting the company more by staying there. Yeah. It's, you know, one month severance basically. Yeah. But it's interesting too, right, framing it that way because it's like most companies if they – well, I don't know. If they lay you off at least, they will give you a severance. So this is almost just like having a self-layoff in place with a limited time window and you know the terms that you're going to get ahead of time. So it's good. It's just, it's interesting. Um, And certainly it shows that they care about having invested people. So that's cool. And I've only ever heard good things about Riot Games. I have a friend who worked there and um, yes, as as have I. Yeah. He didn't, he wasn't working on something that was terribly interesting. So he ended up leaving um, after being there for about a year or so. Cause when you're working on just like web stuff that has nothing to do with the game, like, well, he wanted to go make games. Um, but the company itself is supposed to be a really, really great company. I've got, I've never heard anything bad about them. <clears throat> yes, that news has traveled far and wide. Yeah. So you should try to go get a job with them. Well, you know, it's the whole thing about like, you know, not wanting to be engulfed by an earthquake at some point in my life. Yeah, that's a good point. You, know. you can always move up to Colorado, man. Yeah. It's well, good up here. I just, I don't understand. I don't understand why there's so many, so, there's so much money in a place where we know that in 50 to 100 years or less, there's, there is going to be a massive disaster. 
It's not well, like it's not. I mean, it's not even like a controversy. I don't know. I don't. I got out of there with uh, you know my skin intact, so I'm feeling great. Um, congratulations. Yeah. So I hey before I think we have just enough time to cover this um, this French topic here. Let's do it. And it's Le Game Jam. And Le Game Jam. This is this is the one where it doesn't sound like there's much to it, but there's a lot more here than it seems. So this is just like a group of indie developers, I guess, um, organizing a game jam. We've talked about those before, but here's the interesting part. So the premise of this game jam is to make a Tour de France-themed video game. And what happens in the Tour de France or de France? People ride bikes. People ride bikes for a very, very long, long, long time. And as soon as I heard about this, uh, I've, I, I got flashbacks of other – and I don't even know. I might, this might even be just a completely fabricated memory. Uh, but endurance bike racing games and other uh, similar ilk such as – cross-country skiing games and other things that are almost in that category like train simulation games. The thing that all these games have in common is that the kind of activity that they're modeling is an activity that is it's well it's an endurance thing, right? So you're basically managing some kind of resource you have over a very, very long period of time. And remember how um, now and then I talk about how some ideas just map better to a game than other ideas, strictly speaking? Um, sort of. Well, I do. Okay. And this is one of those things where it's like, you know, the the endurance race, it's basically like the endurance race premise, right? Okay. The endurance race is appealing for a lot of reasons, but seems almost impossible to make a good game out of because what you do in an endurance race is you take unless it's like especially unless it's like race car driving, right? So if it's running or if it's like a train or if it's like bicycles, you are making a very small amount of inputs in across a very long span of time and we're running out of time, speaking of which, for this segment. So I guess uh, we'll have to continue and pick this up when we come back. Yeah, so we'll do that. We'll be right back. back once again you are still listening to chatterbox video game radio and before we um got rudely interrupted by a self-imposed break <laughs> so you're talking about the game jam and how like is it crazy that it seems like this is just going to be super boring all the games that come out well unless, i have a feeling like they're going to either the games that are going to be good that come out of this are uh, not going to attempt to do a endurance simulation. Uh, so that'll be interesting. And the ones that do, it's it's just a tough hill to climb. I'm not saying it's impossible, but here's the thing. I was I left the conversation last when we stopped for the break at why these things don't map to actually good gameplay. And the reason why they don't is because you're Think about what you're doing in in these types of endurances. You're making really little inputs, small adjustments over a really vast span of time. And so actually like there's not a lot of action happening. I mean that's really the crux of it is that compared to uh, the rate of time, your rate of inputs and the rate of activity that other things are happening is very, very low. 
And there's another actually – there's another aspect too that's related but totally different, which is – and this one is was most – it's easiest to describe in a lot of the train simulation games if you've ever played something like Densha de Go, uh, which I'm sure most of you haven't. But, yeah, I, uh, I have that definitely was, not. That was like a train simulating game like in Japan, OK? Um, like Densha is like an electric train. So – Basically, you were the train engineer and you had to basically uh, – I, I don't even think you did any steering. I mean all you're modulating is your speed um, and you know you had to like get to the station on time or like within a window of time. And so this is why this these types of interactions are um, unappealing for most people. It's because you're like, okay, I'm going 50 miles an hour and I've got uh, – I have to get to – I have to stop at the station in like let's say uh, 30 seconds, OK? And now I need to choose uh, when and how much to start breaking in order to have all those numbers line up. Right, and so basically, you're you're trying to make this estimation. It's kind of like, it's kind of like if you're driving, okay, and you know that the light ahead of you is going to turn red by the time you get there, mm-hmm. and you you've decided just for the sake of this example to. You're going to try and time it so that uh, without using your brakes, uh, your car will just stop right at the light. And this is a very difficult calculation to make because it is really hard to sense that long span of time compared to the adjustments you're making. And the adjustments that you do make, uh, like on the train, they're the consequence of them. You're not getting a lot of – evident feedback, right? Because it's like, okay, well, all right, I've slowed down a little bit. Is it enough? Well, I don't know. Let's uh, let's see how slow I'm going over 10 more seconds to see if I've slowed down enough. No? Okay, let me slow down a little more. Like that's, that's what the interaction's like. And so with things like, you know, endurance biking or endurance skiing, uh, you have to make the same types of decisions. And it's just... It's a really hard thing to get people's heads mapped around that. You know, what's really easier for people to figure out, right, is like – like let me put it this way, OK? Like it's like you're throwing a ball. Like everybody everybody likes to throw a ball uh, at a target, right? I mean that's just like a general fun thing to do. So what if the ball moves really slow and you have really slow gravity and – well, OK, that's a terrible example. But anyway, the thing is, right, the reason why uh, things like, you know, shooting targets or throwing a ball at a target is a lot more fun is because the span of time in which that happens is much smaller. And so you don't have to do a lot of like extrapolation, right? Like you you innately have a good sense of like, OK, well, it's going to take this much time to travel a small distance with, the, you know, this input rather than basically extending that and multiplying that over huge distances. So that's my overblown, unnecessarily long commentary about that. Okay. So do you think it's capable that someone or possible that someone will make a game for the game jam that doesn't totally suck? So I think the only way that you can do this sort of interaction and have it not totally suck is if you actually figured out a conceit that made sense where you actually could get instantaneous or almost instantaneous feedback about your decisions and you were constantly involved in um, basically making adjustments all the time. In other words, you you have to figure out a way to increase the rate of input and feedback in order to make it exciting. Well, there are parts of – Whoever's doing that, if you can do that, that's the answer. There are parts of the Tour de France or just bicycle racing – that are somewhat interesting. Like when you get a big crowd together and they're having to dodge each other and some of them fall and then die. Uh, like that's, you know, that's more interesting for the viewer. Yeah. Okay. I'll concede that could be exciting so, at the expense of life possibly. Yeah. M- maybe you take that, 
that core piece and you're constantly in a crowd of bikes having to negotiate, you know, that, that part of the race instead of looking at it as just a really long, tedious event. Yeah. Here's another way actually that it would work. Right. Um, I, I believe, and I'm totally making this up, uh, that drafting actually happens in long distance biking. Yes, it does. Okay, cool. That's good. Uh, because otherwise my argument would fall apart completely. So, just playing the drafting game, even at low speed, as long as that there are enough targets and they move in interesting enough ways in order for you to constantly have to adjust and make trade-offs versus like, you know, am I, am I drafting this way to on this guy or am I drafting on this other guy? Or, you know, this guy's going you know, out of the pack and should I follow him in the draft or should I not? As long as there's interesting decisions to be made there, um, then... You can still make it interesting, right? But then by doing that, what you've been doing is what I said you would have to do, which is increase the rate at which you have meaningful decisions and understand automatically, you know, the impact of those decisions. Yeah, I guess that's sort of an important part of game design. Uh, yeah, it is actually. Yeah, it's very generally so. Okay. Cool. Well, um, I guess I guess that's all we have to say about that. Yeah, I got I got did, a few more. Did, we can just keep going. I'm curious, did that game jam already happen, or is it yet to happen? I, I I'm sure you said that already. Uh, I believe it's yet to happen, but um, that's only because I didn't write down when it happened. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, all right. Well, what else? What else we got? We got like uh, four minutes left. Yeah, let's talk about this YouTube business. Okay. And what I mean is, there's there's been a, an article recently about how. Well, it was posted on Gamma Sutra, and it, it it goes, it asks the question: Is YouTube killing the traditional gaming press? Um, I'm guessing the gaming press is dying not because of YouTube, but because of the internet. Well, well, that was one thing, right? But not just we don't just mean print press because that that death started a long time ago. Uh, what we're talking about, what, I mean, even the, the media online, um, you know, you know, all the big wigs, I don't have to name them off. What they're getting at is that there's a lot of, there's a bunch of YouTube, uh, basically commentators now who, and several of them are getting very, very popular. They have legions of subscribers like hundreds of thousands and i think some of the top ones maybe even up to the millions although i'm totally twitch is also a major venue by the way which you know um i know you've got more to say here but when we now now that the xbox one and the ps4 can stream games live stuff like having an alpha available to some players then immediately makes it available to every player right because i could play the destiny alpha if if it was limited, right. You, right? Can, you can watch. I can stream it, and then anybody can watch me playing it, even though they're not playing it. Um, so they can get a look at these games that are not even out yet. Um, and I think that's a big... I mean, that's major marketing for these companies. Yeah. Well, what, the, what people are saying now is that uh, sometimes with the YouTube Let's Play, that if, if, a, if a popular enough guy is doing it, that actually can result in an immediate noticeable sales spike, right? Because all of this business is now digital. Oh, yeah. Our, our friend Tristan, I, uh, yeah. his game was played by PewDiePie, which is like the number one guy on Ooh, YouTube. Yeah, that's like um, that's like super gold. Yeah, right he's there. the number one guy of, of anybody who has subscribers on YouTube. It's crazy. Yeah, so there you go. And, and so the interesting thing – and. It's it's crazy that I haven't thought of this. It's probably because of the uh, you know the getting older thing that's happening to me too. But it's now that I thought about it, it's so obvious to me. It's like, yeah, no, you cannot beat being able to watch somebody play a game that you haven't played yet. A review that's just prose cannot ever even come to approach beating that. You cannot ever get as good a sense of what it's like to play a game as you can with just watching somebody else play it. Yeah, but journalists now are doing that too. I mean, it's not not like on the blog necessarily, but they have channels and they get they have get-togethers and say, you know, we're we're going to be playing this game right now, so come watch us. Um, sure, sure. They're definitely doing that. 
Right. But it's, I mean, it, there's just, I've, it's funny because we've had the same complaint about just media in general and things like commercials, right? Where we're always like, just, just show us the freaking game. Just show us the damn game. And they never want to show you the damn game. They always want to show you everything else except the actual gameplay. Which is, it's just kind of ironic. But now it's like we have such a facility to just be able to watch all these games. And like what's the use of a review? Yeah. What's the use of somebody writing down what they thought about a game if you could find out everything you could about it minus yourself playing it? Yeah, no. And it's it's sort of like you can just go onto this channel on the PS4 and be like, what are people playing right now? And you can watch whatever, right? So I don't have Assassin's Creed, but I can watch people play Assassin's Creed. Now, sometimes they're doing stupid crap like – uh, just playing, I mean, Trials Fusion is a new game in the Trials series, and there, I was watching this one guy try to beat this incredibly hard level, and I was kind of mem- mesmerized for a f- by a few minutes, or for a few minutes, but I realized I was just watching him play that same tiny, tiny little segment over and over and over and over and over again. And if you're... Do- yeah, that's that game. Yeah, if you're doing it, then maybe, like, you... I, but I was just... No, this is bad news. But... uh but it still gave me an idea of what the game was, and it reminded me of being in that same exact situation, trying to get through one difficult part over and over and over. Um, but it, it gives me, like you said, it's that facility to see this thing that you couldn't see otherwise, um, you know, through more traditional media. And uh, it allows me to basically decide, do I want to buy that game or not? Or just get hyped yeah. about a game if it's not out yet. Like, it actually has some value, I- which I didn't think was true before I did it once or twice. I think it's fantastic, and any anything that you know gets people to stop reading uh, really crappy masturbatory prose is a good thing in my mind. Yeah. Well, speaking of masturbatory prose, we're done for this episode. Um, we are going to record next week, just for the record. Uh, when that week ends, that will close out June. We'll enter July, which is when my baby is supposed to uh, pop forth into this world. Many years before it plays a video game, but you know nonetheless it'll be here so that's the plan we record next week and then after next week pending the response we get from listeners we may or may not continue on the same regular basis so definitely hit our facebook page hit our emails tell us what you think and uh until then we uh yeah we'll, we'll be back next week yes and i await your replies with bated breath good night everybody all right good night guys You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.